Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Well, it's always awesome to hear the gospel from a child's perspective, isn't it? It is good. All right. Well, look, we're in a series that uh, we're leading up to our, our Christmas services, which, of course, lead, are coming up this next week, and we're excited about that. So instead of just jumping right there into Luke 2, I actually wanted to back up and look at Luke chapter 1. And so we started that last week in talking about uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah. And what we see is this, this message that is preceding Jesus. And so it's this wave that is building up and to release us, to prepare us, to, to ultimately, again, to release us to be what God has called us to be. And so I want to share that with you today, the second part. And so I'm going to look, look at Luke chapter 26 through 56 this morning, and we're going to break this down. And so Elizabeth is pregnant. She's about six months pregnant. And so we go into the next part of our story, which uh, is not going to be as comical nearly as the children's perspective. We're going to actually look at what, what, what happened. So let's look at this. In the sixth month, month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Now, this is obviously the same archangel that came and announced uh, John the Baptist's uh, birth. And so he comes to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. It's interesting that as human beings, when we hear good news, we're not always immediately trusting of what that good news might actually be. And it's interesting that Mary immediately it, it, it responds in fright the same way that Zechariah did. Well, look at this. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Very interesting words. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who has said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. In the last verse, in this portion anyway, in verse 38, Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And that's the title of our message today, is may your word be fulfilled. Your word to me be fulfilled. I want to look at this section, and we're going to, break this down even, even further as we dig and go further into the story. But you notice that the angel's response initially is to, to Mary. Her, of course, her, as I mentioned, she's afraid. She, she's, she's being confronted with 
an angel of power. And all Jews would have understood, including Zechariah in our story before, that when you come in touch with something that is from the supernatural, that something's from, from the heavenlies, that generally people died. They couldn't handle the presence of God. There was fear. There was intimidation. And you know what? I want to mention right here, and just to interrupt, that anything that is a counterfeit of God is going to always result in fear. It's going to result in a sense of control. It's going to result in a sense of, 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 of trying to uh, accommodate. And all idolatry and all false religions are going to end up that way. They're always going to bring you to a place of fear and intimidation and, and being cloistered off and not experiencing joy or love in any capacity. And so here Mary is confronting that which is eternal, the, one of the archangels of God who's been fighting in the heavens, who's, who's been created by God for the very purpose to announce his plans, is facing this little girl. And I think you and I can, I mean, we, we, we can't judge that little girl. I think we all would be startled. I think we all would be afraid, regardless of what came out of his mouth. But it is comforting to know that the beings of heaven are concerned for our emotional state when it comes to interaction in the spirit. We see the very heart of God. And that's what I wanted to point out here, is that Gabriel represents the Father. And that's the first thing he says, hey, no, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And that is a message. That is something that continues to resound in the heavenlies, as we will see next week when we, when we finish the story here. That God is coming to tell us that his favor has come. We will see that, of course, in the life of Jesus. He doesn't go around pointing fingers, bony, bony fingers into the faces of human beings and saying, get down on the ground and worship me. He doesn't walk, walk around and, 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 and place control and remind people of their evil. He doesn't walk around and say, look, you know, forever you will have to genuflect. You will have to, you will have to pay homage to me for the rest of your life. And if you think that's what tithes are all about, you're absolutely wrong. It comes out of a, a, grat a heart of gratitude, not any desire to try to uh, placate a God who is very angry at you. It's not the gospel at all. So what we see in the angel is immediately communicating to Mary, oh, no, no, you have found favor with God. Favor is coming, my friend. You almost feel it. It's welling up. The favor is on the way in a, in a way that you will never be able to fully comprehend, but it is coming. So we have the same messenger and a similar message compared to Zechariah, by the way. Notice it's the same thing. You're going to have a baby, even though Zechariah wasn't going to have the baby personally, but his wife was going to. Isn't it interesting that, that whenever God does something, it involves a baby. With Moses, it involved a baby. Zechariah, to bring forth the, 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 the new Elijah, a baby. The son of God, a baby. We should never miss that, by the way, and I'm not going to take any, other, any more time on that except to say that new life... And children are very, very special to God. Very important to God. And in almost all those cases, by the way, Satan wants to do one thing. And what's that? Kill the baby. Destroy the child. Destroy it at its infancy. Again, we'll come back to this. 
But he says that, similar message. You're going to have a baby, and this baby will change the world. Once again, once again, providence is being played out with tremendous hope. Now, in this case, Mary, in, in no way, shape, or form, is hoping to have a baby at that time. She's not even married yet. She's only pledged to be married. So, in, of course, they did it a little differently than we did. But essentially, she's engaged, but with, for all intents and purposes, she was already married. It just hadn't been consummated yet. So she was a virgin. And so... There, there is, there, the message is coming with hope. The, the message is coming, and, and Mary's going to be a part of this, and yet there's a sense of confusion. There's a sense of, okay, why me? And I think this kind of, Mary represents a heart, I think, of all believers, that when that time comes, there's an incredible mixture of joy and, in, uh, I think, confusion. And the joy is that God would say, I love you, I'm for you, I want to use you. But the confusion comes in like, but why me? Why have you chosen me? What about me can be used? In Mary's case, she's just a little girl. She's just a, we don't know exactly how old she is, but she's probably around 14, 15, 16, somewhere in that age, I mean, at least 14 for that period of time for a young woman to be released to be married, but probably around 15, 16 years old. And so, what an overwhelming thing. But again, I see this amazing correlation that so many times when God, when God is trying to communicate to us, I want to use you, and he's coming to us by the Holy Spirit, that we get so overwhelmed that sometimes we come to this place where Mary is, and it's just like, ah, instead of doubting, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but Mary, instead of Mary doubting what God can do, She's really doubting herself. And that is another, <laughs> another struggle for us as humans. Mary asks again, but doesn't doubt. The difference is in the conclusion, by the way. Because what we see in this story is that Mary just asks a technical question. <laughs> so she's like, hey, this is all fine and good, but kind of just wondering how this is going to happen. Because I'm a virgin, I'm pledged to be married, and I'm going to have a baby? I mean, come on, ladies, I think we could all identify with that, right? So she just says, how is this going to happen? Zechariah was doubt. Mary's is not doubt. It's just, I'm just interested. How is this going to play out? You know. And you notice that the angel, in responding, knows that's exactly what's going on here. There's almost compassion from the angel going, you know what, yeah. I could, I mean, I understand where you're coming from there, honey. And he goes on, he says, the Holy Spirit's going to do this. And he uses language that still makes us scratch our head, but at the same time, we know that it's supernatural, that God is going to do it. And the angel says, you know, and by the way, he's already done this. He went to your, your, your cousin or, or her relative and said, she's going to have a baby. And it's a miracle as well because she's old and advanced in age and, and you know who she is and you know that the word is out that they can't conceive and that they'd experience some measure of shame regarding that. So he reminds her, God is on the move. God does supernatural things. And in the same way he did this, he's going to do this in you. Her response is golden. It's what makes the whole story to me and what makes Mary be able to sing her song that we're going to see in here in just here in a moment. But she says, there at the end, she says, I am the Lord's servant. 
May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the last words in that section are, are everything. Then the angel left her. He's going, good, we got this. We have found a faithful young woman who says yes to the work of God. He didn't have to say what he went, did with Zechariah. You remember last week with Zechariah? Zechariah says, how can this be? I mean, you know, we're old, we're advancing years, and, and, and he begins to question. And, and, and the angel says, you're not going to speak for a year. As a reminder, that God can do this. God said he's going to do, us, do this. Mary doesn't question that. She just says, may God do whatever is in his heart to do. I am his servant. And that's such a beautiful and powerful response. And I think, you know, and, and I'm going to move on from this, but we'll come back to it at the end. But the, the, the truth and the, the, the message that we're supposed to get from this, what we're supposed to see, is that that is the proper response, that when God begins to move and God has come to us and knocked on the door of our heart, when we're given an opportunity to hear the gospel for the first time, <clears throat> when a message comes and says, serve, when a message says, get involved, <clears throat> excuse me, let me do something here. When the message says, it's your time. And it may not come with Gabriel, but it may come in many different ways. It might come with a still, small voice. It might come just from a verse that you're reading. It might come when that time, that unction comes upon you, and you know that God is saying, this is your time to begin to move and to do and to use your gifts. And however minimally you're you're called to do it because you think of mary all she has to do is protect this baby inside her you know she's not asked to march on rome she's not asked to do anything other than to just go into seclusion and be faithful what god had birthed inside her what could be easier than that well <laughs> it's not so easy not so easy but her call. We go on with the story. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. So she leaves, and she realizes, oh, this is going to happen. This is definitely going to happen. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt or leaped in, in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this was prophesied before. He said, that John was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even while he was in the womb, and this is where it's taking place. So that prophecy is fulfilled, the angel's word. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, it must have freaked old little Mary out. So she's running up to her, and then she just starts yelling. And this is what she says. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is nothing short of amazing, isn't it? It's miraculous. Elizabeth has no idea what conversation took place between the angel and her. There was, no, there was nothing that had come before them, no letters, no, no nothing. Right here on the spot, Elizabeth is, is drawn right into the supernatural moment, into history that is being made, the kind of history that will change the universe. And here she is telling her 
which is so wonderful of God, isn't it? To encourage Mary, to say, and that's usually what the still small voice, that's what prophecy is often designed to do, to encourage us. And I want to whet your appetite, by the way. If you've never experienced that kind of connection with God that comes to verify, comes to confirm, comes to lay and in, in, in lay a new pathway for what God wants to do. I mean, I really want to encourage you that in 2017, that you begin this year. We've got this prayer conference coming up. And what we want to do is we want to teach you how to hear the voice of God. We want to teach you how to pray, how to connect and pray in a way that is in conjunction with what God has called you to be and to do. Okay? And so I, I really want to encourage you with that. So here, Mary's being encouraged because not only the Holy Spirit, she sees clearly that Elizabeth is, <clears throat> is, is unction is upon her. She has now opened her mouth and she's speaking very loudly things that only she and the angel heard. It's taking place. It's powerful. So then this song comes. Well, I'm going to finish out what, what, what Elizabeth said. Blessed are you among women, but why am I so favored? Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises. Folks, that's what Mary is truly commended for. Okay? I, I think we need to make sure we get that. What Mary is commended for is she believed what God said. Did not doubt it. Did not hold back on it. Did not try to flee from God in any way, shape, or form. She just said, I am your servant. I'm here to do what you want me to do. If there's anything we get from that story, it's right there. And we have been given as much. Now, we've not been called to carry the Son of God, but in many ways we have. Have we not? We bear inside us the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. We bear inside us the, mess, the greatest message that has ever been given to mankind. We bear a child of hope. We bear a vision that is to be given to others at any given time. And, when, and the way that we carry this, the way that we bring it forth, it's so critical, so critical. This is nothing in any way, shape, or form to rebuke us or exhort us, maybe I guess to exhort us a little bit. But the beautiful thing is that God has placed inside us a very similar vision. And all our response has to be is, Lord, have your way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. If what I'm telling you this morning is a grand interruption to the, plan, the plans of your own life, then let me just encourage you, submit to the Lord's will. Submit to his plan. Because when we do and follow his ways, there is blessing that comes, there's favor that comes, there's supply that comes, there's provision for the vision. It's all there. Everything you need, everything he wants to do inside of you and, that, and through you is all going to be there. And then I tell you that it confuses me as a pastor very often. And I don't know if it's because I don't, I don't speak it enough or, or it's, it's not being trumpeted. I'm sure it's the enemy who goes around and tries to snuff it out every time these words come out, perhaps even in your heart right now. But that is this. When you submit your life to God fully, you will have the greatest experience of life that you can have. Everything else is counterfeit. 
Everything else will leave you wanting. Everything else will be prepackaged. Everything else will, will, will give you a sense of maybe energy and joy at the beginning, but it'll leave you wanting, which I, I hate to say it, but in many ways this Christmas, Christmases in general are very much that way. When we bite into the gifts, when we bite into the Santa Claus, when we bite into all of that, it, it leaves a leanness to our soul. So, when God comes and knocks on the door of your heart and your life, Mary's response is perfect. <laughs> Let's read it again. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. You notice where all the pressure is placed, by the way? She didn't say, may I figure this out? May I do it according to your will? No, 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 no. She says, may your word to me be fulfilled. In other words, may you do it. I, may I just maintain being a servant. May I just continue to stay in the stream of your spirit. May I just allow you to work in me, causing me to will and to do of your good pleasure that the kingdom of God might flow through me. Of course, there's going to have to be some energy. There's going to have to be submission and willingness. Of course, all of that. But I tell you what, it, when it comes to the energy, I, I don't know if you've had this experience. I certainly have when I've said to myself and under my breath said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this meeting. I don't know how I'm going to be able to, to handle the pressure of this. I, I see the wave of the future coming. I see what's going on. I see what, what is happening in our culture. I see what's happening and the, the challenges that are coming for my children. And sometimes you just get so overwhelmed. Except that when we as a servant just say, Lord, I, I'm just going to follow you. Is that okay? Yes, absolutely okay. Because then that's where the kingdom of God breaks out. You think of poor Mary. She's carrying the son of God. What pressure that must be. And if she had immediately thought, well, well, what do I need to do? And she sat down and started making a list. Okay, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to... Hey, Lord, is there any way that we can arrange a meeting with three really powerful, wealthy guys? Any chance we can work that out? Because we're going to need finances. I don't think this is going to go so well. Matter of fact, when people start getting word that, that the child and Joseph and I didn't even, you know, we didn't have relations in order to have this child, I mean, how are we going to figure that out? I mean, she could have gone through all of that. I'm sure she did to some degree. But we don't get that impression at all. What we get is Mary just saying, this is a God thing, and I'm following him. That's beautiful stuff. The following song from Mary is so incredibly insightful for a woman of her age. The one has to conclude that these words are not only from her heart, but, a, but from prophetic unction coming from the presence of God so powerless, powerfully surrounding them. You know, I used to think in terms of, and, and, and a lot of times uh, critics of the New Testament, none of the story, tried to say, well, this was written later, that, and it might have been compiled later. But I'm convinced without a shadow of a doubt that this is exactly or very closely to you know, the words that Mary spoke at that moment. I'm sure Elizabeth and anybody that was sitting by saw that. Jews valued prophecy. They wrote it down. They, didn't, they tended not to forget the words that they knew were inspired by God. 
So what Mary's getting ready to say pulls together much of what I've already shared with you. But check this out. And Mary said, now this is response to Elizabeth. So Elizabeth's kind of created a worship service. Elizabeth kind of just broke them into a prophetic conference. So she's there and she starts prophesying. And boom, they're right in the middle. I mean, it's just like the presence of God is there. John, the little baby inside, is pulling on the cord saying, Mary, woohoo! There's a party going on. He's being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary is just like so overwhelmed, going, How could they? Wow. And so they must have been holding hands, and then Mary's caught up in it. She's filled with the Holy Spirit, and out come these words My soul glorifies the Lord. Notice the word there, soul. That means her mind, her will, her emotions are now getting caught up in this thing. No longer a problem. Fear just got squashed. My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit, she makes a difference. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Interesting. She's saying, you know, I was a nobody. I'm just a little girl. I'm just a little girl from a little town that nobody even thinks about. And yet an angel comes, the father sees me, and he chooses me. The greatest encouragement that any of us can have is knowing that God is mindful of us. Mary's situation was become about to powerfully change. In other words, going from this little girl from a little town that nobody heard about, nobody even knew about, would go on to be someone we're talking about today. Someone we're all going to be lined up in heaven to meet. But the thought that God is mindful of our situation. So when you're sitting in your seat right now and you're thinking to yourself, well, Pastor David, this is all fine and good. You know, it's, all, it's always a good idea to take the Bible and, and to say, well, God took a somebody and made him a nobody and made him into a somebody, but not me. That's not true. The truth is God wants to use you and me at any given time, anywhere. If that can be, that, that's what I want you to get here today. That's the encouragement. God wants to use you. Don't let what other people have said about you hold you back. Don't let your circumstances, however humble they might be, hold you back. Now, that doesn't mean you need to rise up and start dominating people and and say that you're the next, you know, whatever, Johnny Apostle. What it does mean that you be faithful in the small things, that you be faithful and to carry whatever vision God has placed inside you. However, however, might simple, according to your gift, according to your faith, according to what God has placed inside you. And at the very least, that's what I want to appeal to. What is in you? What is in your hand? As the father said to Moses when he walked up and said, I'm a nobody. He goes, what's in your hand? Well, just this stick. He says, well, we're going to use that stick and change history. From now on, she says, All generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She knew exactly what was going to take place. You can't help but know that if you're going to bring forth the Son of God, that your name is going to be wrapped up in that forever and ever. His mercy extends to those who fear him. 
from generation to generation. She's speaking here. She's speaking to us. And this is a very true word that is exemplified in Christ's mercy when he comes. She says, this, I, I feel it, because she says, that which is birthed in, birthed in mercy is going to explode into mercy. So when Jesus walks the streets, as he's ministering to the helpless, the broken, the wounded, the diseased, mercy just comes out. So can I remind you that if your idea or your concept of God does not involve mercy, you're following the wrong God. Get it? Mercy. Let's all say that together. Mercy. Not hatred. Not control. Not domination. Nothing like that. Jesus was merciful. Oh, could he have done all of that? Oh, yeah. He's the son of God. Could he have crushed his enemies? Could he have said, you know, I'm tired of being on this cross. I'm coming down. They taunted him and said, come down if you're the most powerful one. Mm -mm. Mercy. Mercy. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Mary's seeing this. She says, look at God. Look at him. With a baby, he destroys. Herod tries to kill him, we find out. We, we find out that the forces of evil are beginning to rise up to snuff out this little life. And yet this little Mary is able to, to serpentine through the evils and the plans of Satan to try to snuff out the plans of God and thinks he wins by killing the Son of God 33 years later. Doesn't win. Mary's prophesying. He has performed these mighty deeds with his arm, and he scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Interesting. You know, we can go through the motions, but God knows our hearts. He knows when we're proud. He knows that what we base our faith on, our religiosity upon. He knows when we try to, to convince others that we're followers of God. Just with words, Mary points out that God knows, <laughs> and he's getting ready to scatter. You know, I, Mary, once again, this is just astounding because Mary is seeing it. She is seeing that God is getting ready to, to scatter. I mean, certainly Psalm 1 or Psalm 2 begins to come to her mind when she thinks and remembers that God laughs at the evil and the wicked. He just laughs. You raise up your evil ones. You try to, to do this. You may even kill off Christians by the thousands, but you'll never snuff out the message, ever. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Again, a great reminder that when God moves, the powers of the earth are changed, removed, and legacies will come to nothing. You know, in our days and times, even now, when people applaud the snuffing out of Christianity, when people applaud Bibles being ripped out of our schools, when people applaud that which is evil and rejoice over evil, over biblical truth, we, we become afraid, we become overwhelmed, we become we, we, at times even just hopeless. But we're reminded with this little baby, we're reminded of this story that all of that stuff that was created, all of that rejoicing that took place in newsrooms, all of that kind of taunting of God and his son, and we as his people will come to nothing if it hasn't already. Hasn't already. 
dust. Dust. People scratch their head. Well, what did they used to say? Who was that person? Mm. Legacies will come to nothing. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Mary points out the recompense of God. Men stack their wealth back and forth. They, the nations rage against the Son of God, and they stack their wealth the way they're going to do it. But in the end, God says, oh, this is all mine. I'm just letting you do this for a time, according to my purposes. The boastings of the proud and powerful will come to nothing. God will have the final say. He rewards, rewards the humble, but those who have all they need will not receive whether in this life or the one to come. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is incredible. Mary, you know, generally females were not educated in the home. Jewish girls were raised to be uh, homemakers from a very young age. They had, and it's kind of sad to say, but they had basically one purpose, and that was to be raised up to know how to run a home and to be given in marriage. And so you have this little girl who comes out with this revelation that it, once again, she, in my mind, she either had to overhear or that the Holy Spirit was moving through her to proclaim. And I mean, this is nothing short of theological truth. She's saying, this is the Messiah. This is the one who has been promised. He has not forgotten Israel. Here we have been languishing for 300, 400 years since our return from Babylon. We've been languishing, waiting for the promised son, the one to come. And now he is, it, it's happened. He hasn't forgotten us. He's remembered to be merciful to Abraham. The sons, that he was going to have sons of many nations. Again, she's speaking these things and it's coming out and it's, it's nothing short. We can look at now in retrospect and see that Mary was seeing us. Abraham's descendants, that's you and I. We're sitting in these seats and Mary's talking about us. That is just the coolest thing. Just as he promised us. Mary understands and praises God for remembering and fulfilling the promises to save Israel and the world from its sins. So we, the rest of the story goes that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for another three months, which would have completed a nine-month period. Likely, it's possible that Mary stayed for the birth. I think she probably did. And when that part of that was fulfilled, and she got a chance to see the little John, the little baby John, she now has to go back and finish her journey. The story reminds us that God uses faithful, available teachable, and humble individuals. That's all he requires, by the way. Being faithful. Being available. Being someone who is willing to, to learn. To learn the ways of God and to walk in the ways of God. And not let when we learn about the ways of God make us proud. It don't, none of the truth comes from us. It doesn't cost money. It doesn't require anything but a humble heart, truly. I've shared my own story with you time and time again. 
humble beginnings, but yet God interrupts our life. So if you feel like you're, you're in a place where, you, why me, or he could never use me, nothing could be further than the truth, and as a result, from what we're reading here, is you're the most qualified. When you have all that you need, when you are self-sufficient, you might not even be in the center of the purposes of God. But you can be. Mary's story contrasts Zachariah's doubting response to her willing, obedient heart. However, I'm, your, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that her year of silence was one that she had to endure, endure as well. Zachariah had to have a, a year of silence where he couldn't speak, but poor Mary had to go into seclusion and what that must have been like. I recommend this movie called The Nativity if, if you've never seen it before. It's the, the one, I think it came out in 2006. It's my favorite Christmas movie, no doubt, hands down, because there's so many awesome uh, truths that, that they, they expound upon. I'll give you a lot more cultural background of what was taking place. Uh, encourage you to grab that. Then the virgin birth, of course, is a miracle that should continually astound us. I think sometimes we just kind of pass over that now. We just kind of say, well, it was a virgin birth. No, we should realize, I mean, that was a miracle, astounding miracle. The miracle beautifully combines the supernatural with the natural in a way that causes us to honor the Father of all creation, the creator of all life, and the lover of all mankind by sending his only begotten Son. In other words, God could have just had him materialize, couldn't he have? I mean, Mary could have just been saying, hey, look, I'm going to give you a son. Just kind of like Star Trek, you know. And there's this little boy. Hey, how you doing? I'm Jesus. You're my mom. Could have done it that way. Didn't. So I'm going to use your womb, Mary. I'm going to use that which is the most precious. I'm going to use that which is the most vulnerable. I'm going to use that which is the most human to birth my son it's a miracle of course but the simplicity and the power of it is not to be lost on us as a matter of fact i encourage you to spend more time really thinking about it and let it get into the very fiber of of your of your your thinking of your value system of what god thinks of the womb what god thinks of us as human beings and our ability to procreate Finally, the fear of the Lord, and we've already talked about that. When we talk about the fear of the Lord, we should insert in the New Testament the belief in the Son. Yeah, of course, I, I believe it means reverence, but it doesn't come anywhere close to what I think the New Testament unlocks. When we think of the fear of the Lord and when we say belief in the Son, that is to fear God, to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. That's it. He's not asking you to crawl He's not asking you to punish yourself. He's not asking you to, to uh, restrict your joys and your passions in this, to placate him in any way, shape, or form. He's not asking for that. That's silliness. What he's asking for is a humble, broken, willing soul that's ready to do his bidding. And what you're called to do is going to look just like him it's going, to be, it's going to exude, it's going to smell, it's going to look like, and everything around it's going to be mercy. How do you know that you're doing something in the name of the Son? To have mercy. 
If you go out there and you try to beat people up with the gospel, it's the wrong gospel. But you go out and love people. Love them into the kingdom. To tell them this is the day of the Lord. This is the time of his favor. Joy to the world. The light has come. The sun has come. That's our message. (laughs) And we're to share it with a merciful heart. God is so ready to choose and use anyone who puts their hope in God, who trusts in Christ, and is ready to be launched into the purposes of the kingdom of God. To make your life more than just making widgets. To make your life more than just going through the motions. See, at Christmas time, as they call it, the time of perpetual hope, I think it does leave us a little empty. Because I think we forget that we're supposed to have a December 26th, a December 27th, and every day thereafter to live in this hope, to walk in this hope, and to tell others about this hope. So let this Christmas and the joy we're reminded of bring us to a place of release. And I want to pray that over you today. That God releases you, amen? Let's stand up this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, we're convinced that this story, God, has wonderful meaning. God, it it, it has layers of truth that continue to resonate. Lord, I pray over us right now, God, that we would not be flat-footed in this story, that we would not just treat it as, Lord, a, a religious tradition something we're to venerate, whether it be Mary or the manger or the whole story or a tree or lights. It's all about the baby. It's all about the Son of God. It's all about the man that baby became. And it's all about the fact that he gave his life and that whoever would put their hope in him, there would be forgiveness of sins there would be favor from God. There would be no longer any, any, any pressure to have to satiate or to fulfill or try to earn the favor of God in no way, shape, or form. Today, with our hope in you, in Jesus, we, we receive your forgiveness. We receive right now that vision of purpose for every one of us, God, to release us. Lord, I pray that over your people. Lord, whatever that's holding them back right now in Jesus' name, whatever is discouraging them, Lord, whatever might be holding them back, Lord, whatever, Lord, help us all to just say, I will be faithful to you. I will remain available to you. Lord, teach me. Show me your ways. And I will follow, knowing, God, You're going to meet me every step of the way. And God, I pray for courage. Fresh courage upon us all, God, to follow in the footsteps. Lord, to cast off, Lord, the the counterfeits, the lies from this world. Lord, the the little promises made. No. Lord, you are the promiser. You are the giver of joy. You are the one, Lord, who will make our soul fulfilled. Only you. And so we put our hope in you today, God. We thank you. 
In Jesus' name, amen.